Open your Bibles today with me to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah will be in chapter 55. Chapter 55, and we'll start in verse 6, where the Bible says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, and for he will abundantly pardon, abundantly pardon. I want to exercise your imagination as we open today, and I want to take you to Florence, Colorado, the front range, just a little bit east of, southeast of Colorado Springs and, and Pueblo, where they built a structure called Super Max. It stands for a maximum security prison, where the worst of the worst of the most dangerous prisoners in our country are, are sent. And this has been designed very methodically and with, with great forethought. Um, because once you enter the gates of Supermax, if you are in solitary confinement, you're a maximum security prisoner, it's designed that you'll never see the sky again. You'll never see anything natural again. You'll never see a, so much as a blade of grass again. And if you are in solitary confinement, as many of these prisoners are, this is your day. That's where I want you to use your imagination. You, you spend 23 of the 24 hours of the day, and you have no idea what, what it is because you don't see the sun setting or, or nighttime. 23 of your 24 hours in a six by eight foot cell made completely of concrete. Everything is made of concrete and nothing is movable. And you have a, a thin mattress to sleep on. And it's literally a living tomb, a concrete tomb. And many of these men have life sentences without parole, and then the courts add on 135 years, just to be certain there's no hope. No, more than any man would live alone in the added penalty. That they're in this, and they know this is going to be their desperate condition. And they're con condemned to a living death. And they, they are, in fact, literally dead men walking. And so uh, I want you to consider what that would be like and just the, the, the dread of each day and just the, the, the drumbeat of, of monotony and, and just the, 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 the dearth of hope and the drought of any possibility of reprieve or relief. And then what if one day the warden came to your cell and said, you have received a presidential pardon. The only possible executive action that could override the courts is a presidential pardon. And you're free to go. You're a free man. You can walk out of here as a free man. Now, presidents rarely pardon people in that condition, but they could. The, the presidential pardon cannot be overridden by any other branch of government. And uh, pardons are a very interesting a very interesting topic. I explored them this week as I studied for this. I talked to a, a friend of mine who's an attorney. He's been a judge. He's now running to be uh, the attorney general of, of New Mexico. And uh, it was fascinating. Uh, pardons presidentially began in 1789. George Washington issued 16 of them. FDR 
Franklin, Franklin Roosevelt issued the most ever, 3,600 pardons as president. Uh, some of the people over the years have been very well known who have received this unique presidential pardon. Patty Hearst, you'll recognize some of these names. George Steinbrenner. Uh, Richard Nixon's the only president ever to be pardoned and to be bipartisan. Uh, a president's brother, Roger Clinton, received a presidential pardon later on, as did Brigham, Brigham Young and Jimmy Hoffa. So it's an it's a interesting topic. By far, though, the most sweeping presidential pardon ever offered was done so by Andrew Johnson in the post-Civil War era of 1868. And listen now, he granted a pardon to all those rebels involved in the Confederacy either directly or indirectly. The civil insurrection of rebellion, all these rebels and they were called rebels, received a full pardon for the offense of treason, of treason, very serious charge. Up to six million people in one fell swoop received a sweeping presidential pardon. And do you see the, the analogy between what Andrew Johnson did re, in, in freeing rebels from their treason to what Jesus Christ did in giving the entire planet, a rebel planet, a complete sweeping presidential divine pardon from the executive branch of heaven. How good is that? Jesus pardoned a rebel planet. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, the Bible says. None are righteous, no, not one. On the other hand, the balance is, Jesus said, whosoever will may come. Whosoever confesses me before men, I will confess before the angels of God. And so we have this pardon to take advantage of. Let's review some principles of a pardon. Uh, and I, as I talked to my friend, the, the attorney, I realized pardons are, are really quite complicated. There's your basic pardon, which is the get-out-of-jail-free card, where they do release you from confinement. But beyond that, you still are a felon. The stain, and this is good, the stain has not been removed. You still have the penalties of being a felon. You can't hold office, vote, serve on a jury, or have a weapon license to you as a felon. And then I found a cool word that I want you to work into your conversation this week at work just to be kind of cool. It's the word expungement. I never heard that word before, frankly. And I, I, I thought, wow, that's a cool. I want to say that word constantly. It's ex expungement. It means to have your record removed, expunged. And that's nothing to do with a sponge, but it has to do with cleaning your record. Okay, it's, it's to take your record off. Charles Colson received expungement from the, the, the governor of, uh, of Florida uh, after his time from Watergate. And uh, uh, still, even though you've been expunged, uh, the record of your arrest remains, even though the conviction and the consequences in the sentence has been wiped away clean. So you're, you're out of jail. It doesn't sh you, don't, you can now hold office, vote, and be on a jury, but you still have that official stain on your record that you were arrested for a felonious offense. And that's where our, our text is so powerful today. And that we'll work backwards. Typically, you want to work forwards. We're working backwards today because I want to start with the last line. For he will, what's the word? Abundantly pardon. And so that, that's what my friend said to me. He said, the abundant pardon of God is a super pardon. It's all the bells and whistles. 
Every, everything and more you could ever want out of a pardon. Because in a legal sense, we are pardoned from eternal death. We are justified. It's just as if you've never sinned. That's the expungement of your spiritual record. And furthermore, those sins are taken as far as the east is from the west. So even, even your arrest record is cleaned. That you are no longer even recognized in heaven as having been a rebel. In other words, you're not a second-class citizen in heaven. Well, we've got to watch this one because you know what he did in the past. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so actually, this is better than expungement because the record of our arrest even goes away. And I would submit to you that some of us have not explored or discovered all the features and facets of our pardon we've been granted. Oh, we've come to Christ and we've accepted him and we've studied his word and, and served him, and yet we've never really looked through and understood all the, the various fine print about things that God has done to us by virtue of our pardon. That's why the name of our message today is Pardon Me. And, and we, we need to understand what an abundant pardon really is. Now, if you're like me, you have buttons in your car, you still don't know what they do. If you're like me, I have things on my, on my, my dashboard that I'm not entirely, I, I couldn't change it. My wife has to change the time. I would wait from, from daylight savings in the spring. I said, it'll, it'll be right again in the fall. Just, just wait. <laughs> you know, if you're a baby boomer, you, you know, you're the, the classic joke for years from the pulpit was that you have the zero, zero, zero flashing on your VCR because you didn't know how to operate it and, and change the time. Kids, ask your mom, ask Siri about what a VCR is and... <laughs> We'll find out. <laughs> Same thing, and maybe a better illustration is your smartphone. I, I, I was in line with, with Skip for the, the first smartphones when they came out. I've always had one from Apple. I, I love them. I understand basically all the functions, but I always find things I don't know, things that it'll do. I mean, like it'll do push-ups for you if you ask it. I mean, it's amazing. And now as the apps come out and different things, and it can monitor and change and do the lighting and talk to, I mean, it's, a, it's a evolving uh, revelation of what a smartphone is, is, can do. Same thing's true of your pardon in Christ. As you grow in Christ, you begin to realize how rich, how deep, how textured, how, how powerful, how sweeping this pardon is, you see? And so you don't have to live in the shadow of your cell even though you've been freed. You are justified. Uh, it, re it removes that permanent stain of having been arrested. You, you, it, it cleanses, the Bible says, as, as, as white from crimson. That's how different it is. And here it is. It reinstates your rights of inheritance. You are fully fledged and vetted as a child of the king. You have, you, you have every, Jesus puts his arm around you and says, someday this will all be yours. And that's the inheritance is coming as you're able to manage it. And if we're faithful in little things on earth, we'll be capable of being stewards over great things in the days to come. And perhaps the best is this, Romans 8. There is no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. That raises up the issue of the G word, guilt. Such a powerful thing. And the Bible does away with it. It annihilates it. It, 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 it blasts it away because uh, guilt is a problem. Do you know why? You're guilty. That's why it's a big problem. We're all very guilty before God. Romans 3.10 says the whole world is guilty before him. So what are you going to do about that? You might say, well, you know, Chip, I've, I've forgiven myself. 
Well, good for you. On, can, can I ask you one real simple question? On what grounds did you forgive yourself because you felt it felt better after? You don't have any leverage. You don't have any gravitas to forgive yourself. Uh, horizontally, you can forgive others, and you should, okay, as far as personally, but you can't forgive their sin. You can forgive the offense they've committed to you. Okay, you can pardon them horizontally, but only, only God uh, can, do, can remove the guilt. Listen, counselors are convinced that the overwhelming majority of troubled people uh, who walk into their offices for help are suffering from some degree of guilt, which has contributed significantly to their problem, be it spiritual, emotional, or interpersonal. Guilt has a way of, and you know this, of dominating our relationships. It, it, it preys on our minds. It, it disrupts our relationships and our lives. It, it fills us with anxiety and fear. It makes us defensive, irritable, and judgmental. And it drives us to punish ourselves. We see people cutting themselves. We see people self-medicating themselves. We see people what? Killing themselves. And very often it's because of unresolved guilt. You see? It, um, can make us physically sick and, and, and threaten our well-being. Is one of like guilt is one of life's most destructive emotions. What are we going to do about it? And Romans says there's no condemnation. Well, what happened to all that guilt? It's the call to action we have in verse six. We've called upon the Lord while he may be found. People, there's a sense of urgency in those words. There's not like, oh, I'll look that over. I'll, it's, no, call on the Lord because this is a dated offer. This has a shelf life. The door of grace won't always be open. I can proclaim it to you today. I can't guarantee it tomorrow. And so you must take advantage of that. Call upon the Lord while he may be found. Seek the Lord. This is your charge. This is your commission. This is, that, as I say, a sense of urgency because there's a need for a word. We don't hear it in enough sermons, I really believe. And that's forsaking. A synonym would be repenting because uh, without, without repentance, there's no forgiveness of sins. You can believe you're a sinner. You can believe Jesus died for your sins. You can believe, you can believe all the Bible. But until you're willing to repent, and turn and, and forsake your evil ways, uh, doesn't mean you're successful in doing that. It's a willingness, it's a, genuous, a genuine uh, need you have in your life to admit your failure, to admit your falls, your falls and your flaws and, and your sin. It's a need, as I say, for immediate action. Some today need to take immediate action. Some of your souls are in jeopardy. So, some of you need to be pardoned. Some of you have never enjoyed the forgiveness, the freedom, the liberty, the relief and release from, from bondage that this pardon offers. Ever been in a jail cell? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a scary feeling. I had friends who were prison guards in Old Max in Canyon City, Colorado nearby where I lived, and they took me for a tour one day after it had closed, and they'd moved everybody to Supermax, and I got to sit in the gas chamber. And it was, it was something. It was a feeling, knowing those armrests had been held by men who moments later were in eternity. And to be pardoned, and they always wait a minute past the moment where the, uh, the, the courts have ordained the execution 
to be, at least a minute, to wait for a governor to intervene and, and grant clemency, to grant a pardon, a last minute pardon. Well, don't wait for the last minute. Uh, we're all on, let me say this, we're all on death row here on earth. We're, we're, we're all, our hearts are all ticking towards that final beat. So uh, we all need to be pardoned. To go into a, a, a godless eternity, to fall into the hands of a living God without a mediator is a fearful thing indeed, the book of Hebrews says. You don't need to do that. God, God has put insulation between you and the destiny you deserve. And that, that, that insulation is Jesus Christ. Well, let's look at, look at the importance of a pardon. And that's certainly part of it. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That, that's the principal practical application of a pardon. Uh, Temple Mount in Jerusalem, Jesus and God made the rep rep repetitive point that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And to hammer that point home to the human race, millions of, of sheep and lambs and bullocks and doves and animals, goats were sacrificed. And can you, did you know they, they built into a piping system from the Temple Mount down to the Kidron Valley and the brook Kidron that, that brought all that blood down there? And during a Passover time, there were hundreds of thousands of pilgrims in Jerusalem, and they all had to bring some kind of a sacrifice. And those priests were slaughtering animals day and night by the thousands, and all that blood's running down. Can you imagine the ironic poetry of Jesus at the upper room that last night, walking through the Cadron Valley, crossing over to the place of crushing Geth Gethsemane, the garden, and he had to walk through that valley and through that brook, probably up to his ankles in blood. Here's a spotless, sinless Lamb of God walking literally through the blood of sacrifices, knowing he tomorrow would be slaughtered. And that was the point of all, all these, these centuries of, of, of ritual that God was making the point. There's no forgiveness. They were only a kofar, a covering of our sin temporarily. Jesus came and did away with sin. I'll show you why in a minute. He had the power to pardon. That was a controversial thing about him with, with, with all the religious leaders. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees would lose it. Who gave you the right, an illegitimate child of Mary, a Nazareth, a carpenter, to forgive sins? This is blasphemy. But he said, I have the power to forgive sins. And so that, again, if you don't understand that point, that he had the power to forgive sins, and only he does, um, you don't understand Christianity. You, you haven't really got to the crux, the, core, the actual core of Christianity. It has to do with your sin. And here's how and where he did it. The place of our pardon is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the only place to go for resolution. Only place you're going to find relief. You can look all over the world and medicate yourself and, and, and chase whatever you'd like, but that's the place you've got to meet God. That's the place he has appointed to meet you for forgiveness the foot of the cross. And the great thing, as I said, and I'll proclaim it as long as I can, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. doesn't matter how much money you have or what you do, your bone structure, your, your fat count, or whatever it might be. Okay? It's all even. Everybody has to look up at, at our Savior and be forgiven. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. 
That's where he does his work, folks. That's where he changes life, saves, saves souls, and, and, and dictates eternities. That's the place of our pardon. Now we come to the, the price of the pardon. And it wasn't cheap. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, don't, don't preach cheap grace. You know, presidents pay sometimes a steep price for the pardons they grant because they're, they're very influential people sometimes and it's, it's, maybe there's promises being made and especially at the end of a second term, they're under a lot of pressure to forgive people because they have no political future, so to speak. They, they pay that kind of a price. Jesus paid the ultimate price for your pardon. You know, we talk about Jesus dying for our sins. We miss the point with that. Look very carefully with me at 1 Corinthians 1.18. Uh, I'm sorry. It is um, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Forgive me. Uh, for he made him who knew no sin, not to die for our sins, listen, to become sin. He literally became sin. This was the horror of the sacrifice. Oh, the, the torture, the slaughter, the beating, the crucifixion, that was dreadful. But the thing that turned the God the Father's head away, his own son had become, in, he, he had become sin incarnate. He had incarnated himself into sin. And that was why he was sweating great drops of blood in the garden. He, facing that moment, the rest of it was horrific, certainly, but this was the crux of the issue. The price of our pardon was it allowed Jesus to become sin. Everything you've ever done, not just all mankind, all sin, all sin for millennia were poor. He became that in that awful and yet magnificent moment. That's the price of our pardon. For God to say to you, you're free. You, you can go. And sometimes we do that lightheartedly, but it, it, it cost him dearly. The problem with a pardon, people, is it must be received. The Word of God, Acts 13, 46, the Word of God might be spoken to you first since you repudiate it, Paul speaking to the Jews, and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. It was preached to them and they didn't receive it. They repudiated the word of God. I told you about Andrew Johnson in 1868 pardoning all the rebels. And there's a different Andrew, a different president uh, in 1829, Andrew Jackson, had a friend who had a friend who murdered a mail carrier and was convicted of uh, homicide and sentenced to be hung. And the friend convinced Andrew Jackson to issue a presidential pardon, and though the man had to spend some time in jail, he would be ultimately freed. He would be pardoned. And he refused. Refused to pardon. It caused a huge uh, court case. Well, he's been pardoned, but he, he, he won't receive it. And the Supreme, came all the way to the Supreme Court, and they ruled this, that a pardon is property, and it must be received to be enjoyed. And they hung him even though he was pardoned by the President of the United States. And it, it grieves my heart to know that the whole world has been pardoned. Jesus said, whosoever will may come. And yet, there are those rejecting the offer of pardon, and the Supreme Court in heaven says, Let, they must be allowed to go, listen, to the fate they have chosen, despite the fact I've done everything possible to help them avoid that. I've done the one thing that will give them relief 
from eternal separation from me, and that's providing uh, the blood for remission of their sins. It's an enlightening illustration because how he, he would have served a prison term. And at first I thought this illustration didn't quite fit because he would have had to serve years in jail and then be free. There'd be a, a short-term temporary uh, consequence for his behavior. And, and then he'd be freed. It's exactly what happens to us. We're, we're forgiven. We're born again. And yet we're still in these jars of clay. We're still subject to the things of this world. There's still things we have to, consequences we have to go through from, from the fall and from our own behavior. But ultimately, we know we're sprung. We're free. We're pardoned, even though there is this short time. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Now, he still had to go through that, that narrow time of severe consequences for his crime. He still was crucified. He wasn't relieved of that, but ultimately that day he got to be in heaven with paradise. And so um, you can be too. Those of you listening by radio and watching by way of the internet, you can be pardoned today. We can all be witnesses of that wonderful event. Can you imagine the families receiving pardoned prisoners back and, and the joy and the celebration and, and what goes on? And that's what we can have today. And the Bible says the angels rejoice when one sinner repents. I believe there are people listening in this room and in overflow and on the media who need to repent. Forsake, listen, forsake your evil ways, call upon the Lord, seek him while he may be found. And listen, he'll do what? Abundantly pardon. Give you that super pardon with all the features. Then you spend the rest of your time on earth exploring those features and all your time in heaven, what? Enjoying them. That's what's ahead for us. We're fallen. We're forgiven. We have a fantastic future. How much better does that get? You see, um, the White House, as I say, receives, they're inundated this, at this point in, in a, a president's uh, term with requests for pardons. You know, most of them are turned down. Most are turned down. The, only a fraction are, are granted. Did you know that in God's house, the one thing God never says no to is a request for pardon? That there's, there's full, free forgiveness. That's, what, that's the grandfather aspect of God. As I considered this point this week, I, I realized it's the only real thing I can think of that God always says yes to. He all, if you come and ask him for forgiveness, yep. Jesus, yep. If you believe in Jesus, yes. It's always yes, you see. And that, we, we often don't want a father in heaven, do we? We want a grandfather in heaven because grandfathers never say no. Fathers say, oh, sorry, no. And fathers discipline you. Fathers do what's best for you. We, we don't want that. I, I learned that. I woke up one morning. I was a grandfather. I don't know how that happened. But I, I had these grandchildren. And so my first one, Olivia, and she's so sweet and she's stoic. She's got, she got this oriental, gorgeous oriental look to her. And just, you know, I, I was in Montana. I said, Olivia, I'm going to take you out to the mall, buy you whatever you want. Oh, whatever you want. And she didn't even miss a beat. She just like looks at me and goes, I don't want to be spoiled. <laughs> I have been rebuked by a 10-year-old. And I deserved it. One author said, beware of the pleasant view of the fatherhood of God. God is so kind and loving that of course he'll forgive us. That thought based solely on emotion cannot be found anywhere in the New Testament. The only basis on which God can forgive us is the tremendous tragedy of the cross of Christ. Don't lose sight of the cross. It, it's God's power unto salvation. It's where, it's where he transacts with mankind. Uh, all, all the money that, that God could give you, if, if you had everything you wanted, you'd be spoiled. 
Where would be a place for budgeting? Where would be a place for discipline? Where would be a place for learning to say no and to sacrifice? We studied a few weeks ago uh, the calling of the, the fishermen. At the end, they said they, they forsook all and followed him. And you're like, oh, whew, lucky. Doesn't, doesn't apply to me because I'm not called into full-time ministry. Wrong. Jesus said to everybody, whosoever must, will follow me must what? Pick up their cross daily and follow me. Wherever you're going, whether it's full-time, part-time, or whatever time. Well, uh, here are a few takeout truths and some really some, some gentle confrontation. Um, are you ready to be reasonable with God? I think we spend a lot of our life being unreasonable with God, blaming him for things he's not responsible for, not taking sole responsibility for our actions. And the Bible says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be as the wool. What kind of, who can make that kind of offer to you? You can't cleanse your own soul. Uh, where are you today in the pardon process is my second question. Here are your options. You can be in prison still. And some today are spiritually in prison. You've never been pardoned, freely forgiven by God. That can change in just a moment here. Uh, some of, and you're pretending your world is fine. You get your back to the door and you're drawing crayons on your cell and you think this is your world. And maybe you have a, 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 some, some games in, in your cell. You've been allowed that kind of pleasure. You think this is it. So I'm going to enjoy this. Now there's so much more. Maybe you've been pardoned, but you're still burdened. You haven't been expunged. You haven't been, had full clemency. You haven't had a full and free pardon. You're out of jail. You're going to heaven, but you're still carrying the heavy weight of guilt. Oh, that can change today, too. You can be free. For the, son of, who the Son of Man sets free is free indeed. Well, time for a couple more points here. And I came upon one mega thought this week, and it came from Tim Keller about the size of your soul. The size of your soul. And it really opened up some, some doors to me biblically about the principle of idolatry and of, of pride and, and wh why God it was so, so concerned with idolatry. And, and, and Tim Keller said this. He said, glory, fame, and fortune can begin to fill the vast size of the human soul. He says, Nebuchadnezzar knew this. Solomon learned this. Um, we know that Howard Hughes found this out to his great distaste. And so the Bible has put, the Bible says God has put eternity into our hearts. And we try to replace what God wants to do. Tim Keller says we're guilty of cosmic plagiarism. When we pretend that anything except Jesus can fill our souls. And that's why celebrities and super athletes and the mega wealthy can all be so miserable because they're still empty. Their soul is so vast. So Jesus said one soul is worth all the gold and wealth in the world. That's why that wealth can't fill even one heart. How long, how, how much will it take for us to learn this lesson? To think we can find satisfaction and fulfillment anywhere else but in Jesus. The whole world is chasing after that kind of satisfaction. And, and they keep beating their head against the wall. The epitome of pride. Cosmic plagiarism. We are, as I said, on a planet doomed. Uh, people worry about global warming. Stick around. Better yet, don't stick around. 
And I, I, I we realize we're stewards of the planet. I don't make light of that. But, but the fact is, God's going to, um, it says, roll up the heavens and the earth and really, I think, free it of the contamination of sin and the pollutants that have, are in the system. And it'll create a new heaven and a new earth and with righteousness rules and reigns. In the meantime, we are on death row. We are dead people talking and walking. And this planet is doomed. It can't be saved. But we can. We can find salvation. And listen, since you have been forgiven, if you have been forgiven, do not keep it to yourself. Do not. Um, in fact, I want to I, I deputize each of you right now you can go and set people free this week. And, 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 and I, I challenge you to ask God to give you the opportunity. There are people you rub shoulders with who are living in spiritual prison, who, who are in maximum security, who have in, 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 been deprived of so many things, and sometimes uh, voluntarily so. And you're deputized to set them free. Because we, we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And we, we can tell them, come on out. Come all the way out of those prison cells. And we're, we're fallen, yes, but we're forgiven and, and we're free. And we have a fantastic future ahead. And, and that should enlighten our eyes. So we, we can enjoy that. But I want to give people the opportunity right now, by whatever medium you're listening or watching, to, to come to Christ. To, to, to say, I want that pardoned. I want to be pardoned. Really? Great move. There's no other, you're out of moves. It's checkmate in your life. And God comes and says, I'll fix it. I'll fix the checkmate. I've got, I've got the move. And it's you moving to the cross. It's you calling and seeking, forsaking, and then receiving the abundant pardon. The abundant pardon. Will you do that today? Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful we can make that offer, that we can accept that offer. It can come from nowhere else. Salvation does not come from the east or the west. It only comes from the cross. It doesn't come from uh, self-discipline or working or good works or the merit of favor. It comes from your grace and the goodness of Jesus Christ to die, to have become our sin. Let that sink in, believers, as well. And that's why we keep our garments unspotted from the flesh, because it, it costs Jesus. We don't introduce new sin into our system because we can get away with it. Paul says, God forbid that we should presume upon the grace of God. But anybody here today who would want to accept Christ, don't miss this opportunity. We all want to pray with you. We want to witness your reception of the pardon. Celebrate with joy. Slip your hand up right now. We'll pray together with you. And you, with that act of faith, will receive a pardon from God. Anybody here today, slip your hand up. God bless you in the front. Hey, back there in the blue, I see God bless you. Praise the Lord. We are, in, 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 a, in, a, in a way, walking down the aisles of a death row penitentiary and saying, anybody want to come out? Anybody want to? The doors are open. Come on out. Don't stay in there. You don't have to be in there anymore. You've been there your whole life imprisoned by bondage of sin and, and sexual uh, perversion and whatever it may be that have caused you to selfishness to, to bring you to this point. And God says, come out of that prison jail. Raise your hand. Pray with these people and, and follow me. Jesus said, come and follow me. I'll make you into a fisher of men. He'll do that indeed. Anybody else here before we pray? Anybody watching by way of the internet, listening on radio, you too can accept this gracious offer, the abundant pardon and how we need it because we have sinned abundantly. 
But God's, we cannot outsin the great grace of God. Let's all join together in prayer. Lord Jesus, we believe we are a sinner. We believe you died for our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to live with you. We are grateful for your grace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.